0: Welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. As we try to return to some sort of normal, as the pandemic slides off the radar, we're being hit with a global financial predicament. This predicament has all the powers that be searching their thesauruses, or is it that thesauri, (laughs) for a word that isn't recession. So it was timely that my guest today reached out and introduced himself. He calls himself the prolific investor who challenges conventional wisdom. He wrote a book called Get Off Your A Dollar Sign Dollar Sign. I like that. Get off your ass and manage your money. Now, I've written several articles over the last few years about how retirees' income levels often do not cover the basics of daily life. Government pensions are sadly inadequate at paying the bills, and there are many people who don't have other work pensions to draw on, who made ends meet over their working years, but are now struggling with reduced income and increased costs, or those people who were full-time homemakers, so don't collect CPP. Um, And that's the Canada Pension Plan for those of you who are other than Canadian. All workers pay into the fund over their working years, and then the government pays out a a pension post-retirement. Chris is American, so we'll no doubt mention 401ks, maybe taxation. Do a bit of research in your home country and see what you can do to match his suggestions where you live. Chris Odegaard, welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast.
1: Hi, Agnes. Thanks for having me on here. I hope I am a man, so if there's two women. It's just you and me, right? Formerly <laughs> <laughs> <used>, two women.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's funny because it, I went through a stage where it was Manly Monday. And then mm-hmm. I had a really hard time finding a man for regular Mondays. And then a, a lovely young man who was on podcasts said, you should call it uh, monthly man Day. So I tried that for a while, but men are few and far between. So it appears I don't know. That's that's just my experience. So
1: well, I didn't um, see a whole lot of whole lot of men on your podcast. I went, oh my god, I wonder if she thought I was Chris, Christine, a female. Now, maybe oh, I'm not even supposed to be here. <laughs> no,
0: no, no, no. You're welcome, and I'm really pleased to have you. Yeah, if you scroll down, there there have been men, and yeah. uh, for a while I was getting one a month, but uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But, Chris, I want to preface our chat today by saying you're us, giving us information that we'll digest however we see fit, that you aren't making personalized investment advice. Thank you. One of us had to say that, so that's good. Okay. Just, yeah, let's clear the air right at the beginning. And is it fair to say your considerations are available in many countries, not just the US?
1: Yeah, the the principles are, I think, universal. Obviously, you know, some of the tools, the different retirement plans vary country by country, but the principles are, are pretty universal. So
0: yeah, okay, that's great. Um, now I checked out your website, and it seems that you were a conventional investor using conventional wisdom for a number of years. Right. Could you start by explaining conventional investing, please?
1: Sure. Well, in the in the investing world, there are conventional investments and alternatives. That's the the big dividing line. And it's really easy to, everything that is a conventional investment is something that's publicly traded. So it's traded on a, you know, you know, a New York Stock Exchange or the Canadian Exchange or whatever. And then everything that's not publicly traded, those are alternatives. And that would include, you know, every type of real estate, um, commodities, you know, gold and silver, um, uh, notes, uh, private shares of small businesses. So everything that's not typically publicly traded, those are alternatives. Private lending, uh, cash value life insurance is actually a really good, uh, which I should preface that, say the properly constructed <laughs> cash value life insurance is a really great uh, uh, alternative investment. So yeah, everything that's not on the stock market. And so I I say that I was on the 401k highway to mediocrity for many, many years, you know, and, and then some things happened to me and I changed my ways, but I have a really interesting statistic and that, you know, uh, for those people who are using some type of retirement vehicle like a 401k, or it's equivalent equivalent as their primary retirement tool, 92% of those people will not get there, they will either have to work longer Or they will just have to have a reduced retirement lifestyle because those, you know, the whole philosophy behind those plans is to build this giant mountain of money. And when you use something called the 4% rule to figure out how big that that mountain of money is just to have a a normal standard of living, it has to be a multimillion dollar portfolio and only 8% of the population ever becomes millionaires. So the ninety, then there's the ninety-two percent of us, right? And and we thought we were gonna, you know, build this uh, this giant this giant nest egg, and for ninety-two percent of people, they're just not gonna get there.
0: Well, I must say, must say, I I, I liked your uh, some of your blog posts because when I write my soapbox pieces. I use real numbers and I crunch those numbers and yeah. I was reading real numbers on your, on some of your blog yeah. posts. So it was like, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of the, it's one of the kind of thing, you know, it's one of the things I like about what I do is that I can actually pull out the math and demonstrate that what I'm talking about, you know, you have to make some assumptions because everybody's situation is a little bit different, but with these set of assumptions, here's the answer. And it's, it's not a good answer, right?
0: Yeah. Well, what started me onto my little, working my way up onto that soapbox was the fact that I was meeting women who were retiring and they just thought that pensions would cover their lifestyle Mm -hmm. and they were selling vehicles I know somebody that actually had to sell their house Um, Mm -hmm. and I thought like holy crap like like there's obviously a disconnect somewhere so um, yeah that's what started me on my ranting and raving Okay, so you were conventional, and then somewhere in your mid-40s, your financial stability went sideways. How did you start your journey to where you are now? Um, Well, somebody
1: said I should read a book, and uh, there are millions of people who can tell the same story, that uh, they were handed or told about Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, and I read that book. And, uh, you know, it was like a lightning bolt. The clouds parted, however you want to say it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's this whole other world out there that you know, I didn't know anything about, you know, all term investments, and mainly real estate is what Robert does. And so I started going down that path. And, you know, well, my my big, uh, my big, what I call moment was, uh, I got divorced in my mid 40s, and lost 55% of my assets and 1000s of dollars a month in cash flow. And so that was the motivation that, you know, things were we kind of mediocre before that, and uh, you know these things happen to men and women. Or it could be bankruptcy, or it could be a health issue, and all of a sudden, you know, your life savings is kind of devastated. So that was that was the motivation. And I started off the same way a lot of people do. You know, single family rentals and you know a duplex and a fourplex, and and then uh, and t- and today I primarily invest in limited partnerships and syndications in apartment buildings where I'm just a completely a passive investor and just so you know if you the, over the history of the stock market of the S&P 500 the big US index the average return to investors has been 9 something percent just a little bit shy of 10%. well in today's environment uh you know, that's before taxes and inflation you're not even maintaining your buying power so you're actually losing money uh and and in, in my world it's not uncommon to make 20 to 30% return annual returns and that doesn't Taking into consideration the tax advantages that come uh, with depreciation, and the fact that it doesn't have to be your money, a uh, nice thing about real estate is uh, banks and and people love real estate. So they'll just loan you money to buy it. Nobody will loan you money to to you know build up your 401k portfolio. So anyway, I I went down that direction after reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, and lo and behold, nine years later. I had recouped all that 55% and multiplied it many times over, and I quit my corporate job in uh, 2018, and I never have to work again unless I want to. And so that would have never happened if I had stayed on what I call the 401k highway to mediocrity. All I did was change the type of assets that I invest in. I was able to use leverage. I was able to get better returns and pay less taxes. In fact, I think it was 2018, I wrote an article about it. It was the same year that President Trump paid $750 in taxes and got a lot of crap for
0: it. I paid zero <laughs> in that same year. <laughs> okay. You may be my new role model. No. <laughs> okay. So you've been teasing us here with a few, you know, ideas. Can you explain a few of the alternate investments and, and exactly what they are? Like just go a little wider. Yeah. So, uh,
1: you know, a single family rental. So you go out and, uh, you know, instead of just having one house for yourself, you're more generous and you buy a house that somebody else can live in. And, you know, the rent that you get pays for all the expenses and puts a little bit in your pocket. And so then you just go from there. You can go, you know, bigger and more and things like that. Another alternate investment that I invest in through kind of a syndication or a fund model is ATM machines. So I'm the owner of ATM machines all over the country. And uh, they provide me a fixed, um, you know, a fixed monthly uh, amount for seven years. And then they're kind of like a used car. You know, you buy it, you drive it off the lot and it depreciates it. So at the end of the seven years, your, your machine's outdated. It's not worth anything. Uh, but you get a really, you know, a, a really great return on that money for seven years. So that's another thing.
0: Okay, I just want to explore the ATM for a second. So you own the ATM. But it's got to be a bank that puts the money in there. Presumably, I don't think you're stocking yeah. it up yourself. <laughs> so in yeah, well, there's there's well, just kind
1: of like like a single family rental. There's all this. There's ways to, you could be what I call the DIY, the do it yourselfer. You go out, you find the, you get a realtor, you find the single family rental, you buy it, you get the loan, you do the tenant screening, the property management, and repairs. And and all that. And then on the other extreme is something called a syndication, where you have a, uh, a there's a general partner and a limited partner, and the general partner or partners are the people that actually are experts. Let's say buying and repositioning apartment buildings, and you know uh, making them better, improving rents. And I just come along with a hundred other people, and we, when we we come up with the twenty million dollars maybe to buy this one hundred million dollar apartment building. And that's the end of my involvement, except when three or four years it comes back with twice as many friends. Right. So same way with the ATM machine. I mean, you could have your pickup truck and put a you know put an ATM machine in the back of it and drive it to a 7 Eleven, try to negotiate, you know, a three by three foot lease of land where you could put it and you would, you know, maintain it and put cash in it, or you do it through some type of a like a similar thing, like a syndication or a fund model where all I do is buy the machines and somebody else. There are contractors that manage everything else, and I've never I've never seen one of them. Frankly, I mean, I wouldn't even know it if I passed it on the street. You know, I don't. I, I mean, I have a list of what states they're in, but that's the way I like to do. it. I like to be a very passive investor, and my goal is to make the most amount of money with the least amount of my time. So I search out investments that are like that.
0: I'm just going to go down the real estate path for a moment. In my town, city where I live,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: in order to buy a modest. Single-family dwelling at this point in time, I need approximately one point two million dollars. Mm-hmm. So my drawing on the principle of something I already own, because the banks, especially at my age, isn't going to give me hundred um, percent financing.
1: Well, I would say so. The, the one of the misconceptions is is that is that we have to invest in our, your your backyard. And and so I've re- a year ago, I moved from Seattle, Washington area down to Somerville, South Carolina, and Seattle has never been a, a good cash flowing real estate market. So you need to invest where you where you live is not the place you want to invest. So uh, a, lot, a lot of Canadian, matter of fact, the syndicator that I use uh, for apartment buildings is based out of Vancouver. Guess where they're investing? In the United States, <laughs> in cities like Phoenix and Dallas and Houston and Atlanta. So there are... Um, there are what's called uh, uh, so, you know, you could invest with somebody that does that same way that I do. There are turnkey single family rental providers in the United States, and and they're kind of like the, the syndicators, but they're experts in the single family. So they'll go up out and buy up these these single family rentals and do durable repairs for them because they know they're going to be in the hands of renters, and then they'll go screen and put good tenants in there. And that, and they have a property management company too, and then you just show up with your cash or your bank loan, and you know you can buy a single family rental in the United States for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars depending on the market, and then you only need twenty or thirty percent of that, um, so you and another boomer woman could come up with the down payment if you needed to, right. <laughs>
0: Uh, I want them out for a a month every year. So I have a holiday home too. (laughs) Okay. Let's, let's actually talk dollars and cents. If Mm -hmm. somebody's coming in with it, like, I don't know, is 10 grand reasonable or does it have to be a hundred grander? So
1: if you wanted to do, um, let me, I'm going to, I'm just going to pull up my last. uh, I did an article. uh, It was one of the more recent ones on my blog where I compared the three ways of uh, what was the last one? Forty-six. Three ways to invest in real estate, which was do-it-yourself, using a turnkey provider, or doing a syndication, and and the minimum investment on that was like you could do either one. All of these three for fifty thousand dollars. Okay. So for fifty thousand, you could get in, and uh, and you could get into a single-family rental. For less than 50 in some markets and there are some syndicators that will take as little as 25 but 50 is kind of more of of the main, you know, the mainstream for a minimum type of investment in a a syndication but yeah for $50,000 you could, you know, do it yourself find a turnkey single family rental provider or an apartment syndicator, for example.
0: Now, on a more conventional Buying up or proposition, um, I obviously can't go to the bank and say, "Please, may I have this much of a mortgage, and here's my down payment, which just happens to have come out of my line of credit." Mm-hmm. Um, to get into some of these, do you have to have the cash up front, or is that a debt that you could take on because yeah, it's no. going to? Yeah, no, you're going to have
1: to have you're going to have to have some amount of a down payment. Um, and you can't, and and the banks are not going to lend you borrow the down payment because yeah, yeah. nobody, no bank wants to do a hundred percent financing for the most part. So somehow you're going to come up, have to come up with that 20 to 30, uh, uh, 30%. There are, yeah, there are some loans in there, I think that are less, you know, uh, but I don't know that you could get that on a rental property. You could get like, I know that, you know, I bought a house one time in the U.S. on a on a, federal program where it was three and a half percent. I think I, you know, I bought a $300,000 house and I brought nine, I brought a $9,000 check to the closing table. So, um, but that typically won't happen, you know, with a rental. So.
0: Now, what sort of debt is it safe to go into? Like at what point in time is it, is it okay to take on debt?
1: Yeah, well, here, here's something that uh, baby boomers uh, are probably stuck with that they think Debt is bad, and you should own your house free and clear. The truth is you really can't get wealthy without debt because we only have you know let's say let's say that somebody makes hundred thousand dollars a year and their expenses are ninety five thousand dollars a year. That means there's only five thousand dollars left to invest every year, so you're really not going to get very far just using your five thousand dollars. That's where uh, real estate is awesome because a bank will, you have a good rental property and you can come up with some of a down payment. The bank will loan you 70 or 80% of the money, right? So, so but uh, long term, and in the US, we have something everybody doesn't have, but long term fixed rate debt is the best, you know, even, you know, even in today's market where I think interest rates are now up around 5%. Uh, from, you know, two and a half or three, when I bought my first house in the late 80s, I think it was 12%. So interest rates are still relatively low, you know, looking at them over a long, long period of time. But yeah, if anytime you can get that is just the houses uh, is that you, in the US, at least is the, the best, you know, the lowest rate and longest term, it's it's the it's the way to go. So that's why, you know, I, I, I never want to pay off a house, right? Because I, you know, if if I have a million dollar house and it goes up by ten percent, okay, that means the house went up a hundred thousand dollars. It went up a hundred thousand dollars whether I owned it free and clear without debt or whether I had an eight hundred thousand dollar mortgage. So that that the 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 money your home equity is the equivalent of putting cash into your mattress. You would never do that, right? But people pay off their home all the time, and the, my caveat would be. If it helps you sleep at night and it gives you peace of mind, that's okay, but it's not a good financial move to pay off your house because that eight hundred thousand dollars of equity is just making is making the loan more secure for the bank, and you you would be better off taking that money and investing it somewhere and making twenty to thirty percent average annual returns with an alternative investment because you wouldn't get that in the stock market
0: right and and I'll just add a little. Personal comment here too that um, I was recently cleaning out a bookcase, and I came across you know those books that we used to see, we little paperback things of interest rates and you know what you would pay Mm -hmm. on your mortgage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, oh well, give this to my daughter and her husband because they're in the market right at the moment. Mm -hmm. And then I opened it up, and the very basic mortgage rate I think was like ten and a half percent. And I went not of any use today because there's so yeah. much lower now. So, uh, yep. yeah, exactly. just like things change and, and that sort of thing on your website, you mentioned insurability and that's something I had certainly never thought about. Can you explain that please? Yeah. So, so, um,
1: I created something called the hierarchy of investors, which is a, a pyramid, which is a bad, you know, yeah. a pyramid or a higher, it was a big triangle. And, you know, in the shadow of the pyramid where it's dark and damp are all the conventional investments. And then you get on the pyramid and now you're climbing this ladder. And I compared uh, conventional investments to alternatives uh, across 13 different categories. And the only, place where most conventional investments have an advantage is they're, they're liquid. In other words, you can buy and sell them in an instant. That's a stock. You know, you can't buy or sell a piece of real estate at the push of a button. But so some of the advantages are, we, we've talked about, the returns are much better in alternatives and, and banks uh, will loan you money to buy alternatives and you can insure your alternative against loss. If you had a house, you would never think, let's say you had a house that was worth a million dollars. Most people would never think of not insuring their house, you know, against some kind of a disaster, but some people have a million dollars in their retirement plan and it's completely subject to the market or the whims of a politician or somebody who wants to start a ward and has nothing to do with the fundamentals of your investment, but your, your, the value goes up and down like this and you can't insure against that, but you can do that with alternative investments. Now alternative investments don't have that volatility because they're, you know they're just not affected that way because they can't be bought and sold but you can protect them against loss you know fires and thefts and things like that uh so yeah that was the the insurability piece you know if you walked into your uh your insurance agent and i have this million dollar retirement portfolio and i'd like to buy a policy you know they they'd fall on the floor laughing same thing if you said you wanted to build your million dollar portfolio and you had $200,000 and you wanted to borrow the the other 800, you know, they just won't do it. Um, There's, and it's interesting because bankers, insurance people are pretty smart people, but there's some, there's something that they don't like about conventional investments. They won't
0: insure them and they won't loan against them. So. Oh, it's a big subject. (laughs) Okay. Now, many of us have financial advisors. Is, are the alternatives anything that, they can look at, or is that totally out of their bailiwick?
1: For the most part, the answer is no. And I have a friend who's a kind of, he he likes alternatives. So he comes and talks to me, but he's a conventional financial planner. And I asked him, and I think this is in the book. um, I said, so why is it that, um, you know, the conventional advisor or planner won't give you advice on alternatives? He said, "Two two reasons. He said, one is because with the, conventional investments, it's easy, repeatable money. It's just, you know, they get something called assets under management fee. So if you're, you know, if you're, uh, you know, if they're managing your conventional investment portfolio, and there's a million dollars there, and their asset under management fee is, you know, is 3%. Well, I think that's $30,000. Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna get $30,000. And if your portfolio goes up, they get more. But if it goes down, they still get paid. So you're the you're the investor, you're taking all the risk, and they're getting paid regardless. You know, when you make money, they make money when you lose money, they make money. And then anyway, back to your question, the other reason that they don't do it is because, uh, uh you know, a financial advisor is never going to get sued for recommending a company stock to you that goes bankrupt. But if they, the stuff that I do in an alternative world are private investments. So if they say, hey, you should go invest in this ATM thing like Chris did, and that turns out to be a Ponzi scam or it goes bankrupt, they they could be sued. And so, I mean, there are some that do it, but there's so few, I've never actually, I think I've maybe come across one or two, but those are the two reasons.
0: Mm, okay, this is maybe more information than our listeners need. Um, but personally, I have a financial advisor, because both big, big picture and small picture investments seem to elude my brain mm-hmm. and the understanding. Now, I've gotten better with my current financial advisor, because she's really patient. But mm-hmm. What sort of investment would you suggest the brain like mine start so that I'm confident in my choices? You mean in the alternative world? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I um the the, the, the alternative investment world is just there's just so many things and that's kind of uh one of the the problematic things with this, because I can't just say, "Oh, well, there's this Vanguard Target Retirement Fund that would be good and easy for you," because that doesn't exist. So, you know, I mean, do you like real estate? Do you want to be involved in rentals? Do you like ATMs or even being a private lender? It it really depends on the person and their risk tolerance and kind of what their skill set is. And all I can tell you is that I just love. Um, Having somebody else do you know what I do is find somebody else who's good at some something, whether it's ATM machines, or apartment buildings or a self storage, and then I'm pretty much investing in that team, because you could have, uh, you could have two identical apartment buildings one on either side of the same road and and one operator would just make that thing super profitable and the other would drive it into the ground. So it's not really the asset, it's the management team that you're investing in. So, and, and, and so that's what I like to do. And uh, I just find good operators and put my money, you know, alongside theirs. And, uh, but like I said, these are private uh, investments. It's probably more easy, you would Uh, it would be easier for you to get taken advantage of or be involved in some fraudulent thing than it is in the stock market. So it takes education. You got to do more homework. But the nice thing is you can meet these people. You're never going to meet the CEO of Coca-Cola before you invest, right? But these people, you can go meet them. You can talk to them uh, and, you know, make some judgments about their character and things like that.
0: I actually have an in with Coca-Cola, but we won't go (laughs) there. (laughs) um so maybe talk to us for a second because it sounds and I certainly understand that educating yourself or finding something that you would enjoy learning about um Mm -hmm. is a really good place to start but just talk a little bit more about you call them syndications yeah so um if you're driving down the street
1: in any city and you see this giant, I just keep using apartment buildings because everybody knows what those are, and that's what I like. And you see this 200-unit apartment building, it's very unlikely that one person, you know, came in with the money to build that or buy it, or one even one person came in with a down payment and got the bank loan. So say it's a say it's a 200 million dollar building. So somebody who's an expert in acquiring and managing these apartment buildings, that would be the general partner said, let's go, let's go buy this one. And they said, okay, so it's $100 million, we need 20 for the down payment and another 5 million to do the repairs, that's 25. Now they go out and at $50,000 or $100,000 at a time, bring in investors and those investors, you know, put up that $25 million and then... And then we share the profits, usually 60, 40 or 70, 30 with the larger portion going to the limited partners and the smaller portion going to the general partners. And it's just, that's, uh, that's just, a, you know, that, that's the way a lot of big projects are done. Investors bring the, the investors and bankers, bring the money to the table. And then you have the team who's the expert in whatever that asset is, self-storage, you know, shopping center, things like that.
0: I think what I'm appreciating most about our conversation today is just the fact that some of these things have crossed my path in years gone by. Um, But because I didn't know anything about them, it's like, oh, good, buying an apartment block, you know, that sort of thing. Um, But it sounds like for a certain group of people out there, this is mainstream investing.
1: Yeah, it is. And it became, um, and I have to do a little bit of homework on this. So there was a time when this was just, uh, wasn't really available to you know people like you and me. I'll just call us average people, not not to be insulting. <laughs> but um and then something I'm gonna put well, my okay, bottom
0: lip out now. <laughs> sli- slightly above average.
1: <laughs> um, and then with the job in the United States with the Jobs Act in 2012, something changed and this became you know available to more mainstream uh investors, but it's still but it's still only a fraction of people that are outside the stock market so even though it's it's uh you know it's it, now it's more readily available than it ever was it's still only a minority of people that invest this way uh and like i said even though even though out of the 13 categories where i did the comparison of conventional investments and alternatives conventionals are only better in one of those 13 uh, category, so it's uh, it's just you know, if you it's like the first time somebody said the world was round when everybody knew up until that point in history that it was flat, and one person said, No, I'm sorry, everybody else is wrong, and I'm right. So that's me being the first person to say, You know, your 401k, your RRSP, they all suck. You know, nobody's ever, you know, you probably were you're the people you worked with, the family you grew up with, the friends you socialized with, they all put their money in the stock market. And some of it was through these retirement uh, vehicles. And so when you're the person that comes along and said, everything you've ever known is wrong, most people are not going to believe you.
0: (laughs) I hope my acquaintance, who's a flat earther, isn't listening right now. There you go. Okay, I do want to say that I'm a legend in my own mind, just to go back to that average person. Yeah,
1: no, I am am too. I say it all the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, our audience is boomer women. Mm -hmm. what what other things can you say to boomer women about uh alternate investing other than be brave
1: (laughs) yeah well it's never it's never too late to get started i'm on the you know i was born in 62 so i'm on the very edge of the of the boomer category and uh you know i got started in my you know my mid-40s so it's never it's never too late to learn something new and 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 you know uh do the best the one thing is it's, it's, you know, people like to beat themselves up, you know, I've said, you know, Oh, bad, too bad. I didn't know this 20 or 30 years ago, but we all learn what we learn based on the environment we're in and the people that come across our path. So it's a, it's never too late to get started. And uh, there's lots of things uh, you can do to, you know, improve your situation. I mean, if you're sitting on a, if you're sitting on a house with a whole bunch of home home equity, get a home equity line of credit and uh, very carefully and judiciously, Find a good place to put that money to use instead of instead of letting it benefit the bank by making their loan more secure, right? So get started, and my book is one place where they can get started, um, just to see all the advantages. And there's there's I have lots of resources on my website of uh, the podcasts and books and um, you know different places where I've invested my money. So uh, I'm pretty open about about all that stuff.
0: Now, if I go to my financial advisor and say I want fifty thousand dollars out of my investments um, because I'm going to go invest in a, a real estate property, something like that, right. and she's going to say, "What are you doing?" Exactly. Um, so, what's my response? Like, how, how do I be firm?
1: Well, I think I think you have to you'd have to uh, you'd have to get a little bit educated first because you'd have to know. We'll say, well but here the the advantages of this real estate is that I can use other people's money. I can use leverage. I'm going to, I'm going to get way higher returns. It has a built in tax advantage. It it doesn't suffer the same volatility as the stock market and complete strangers are going to buy this house for me <laughs> <laughs> over the next, <clears throat> the next, uh, uh, 30 years. Oh, well, so, you know, the, uh, the, uh, and I wrote an article on this one too, the, um, the big selling points of the retirement plans are that you are you get tax benefits because you you, you you defer your taxes till later. That's one, and the other thing is sometimes the company makes a matching contribution, at least here in the United States. And those are the two big selling points. People go, "Oh, it's free money," so it's a no-brainer. Well, the truth is, if you um, if you took the same amount of money. Let's just say, let's say in a over the course of a year, you were going to put thirty thousand dollars into a four hundred one k here in the United States, and 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 so you get a certain tax advantage from that with the with the taxes that you would save on this one. You know, well, just, what's we'll just it a one time contribution, even though it took place so you know paycheck by paycheck over twelve months. So the value of the taxes and the value of the company act, the company match would be let's just say it was three dollars. Now, if you went out and bought a single-family rental and you used the $30,000 as a down payment to get a $100,000 property, with the 401k, you you put in $30,000, you get $30,000 worth of stuff. With a single-family rental, you put $30,000 down and you get $100,000 worth of stuff. You also get built-in tax advantages through depreciation. And you also get the equivalent of a company match. It's called a tenant, complete stranger paying your mortgage for the next thirty years. So the tax advantages and the kind of equivalent of the employer match in the single family rental is worth three dollars. It was worth one dollar with the uh, with the 401k. It's worth three times as much in a single family rental. And I did the math on my site. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a no-brainer, you know, anyway. But those are some of the arguments. And your your uh and your financial planner uh, most likely won't believe it because they've never. Nobody's ever sat down and did the math, right? And so uh, take take my article, take one of my <laughs> articles, and say, "Here's why," because Chris, the prolific investor, said so.
0: <laughs> well, and two thoughts come to mind. Is first of all, I have had financial advisors on the show, and they always say. You don't have to take what the bank gives you for a person. You can find someone you can talk to, discuss with. So so that's my first thought. And then about those company match things in 2007, when so many investments were going down the tubes, mm-hmm. I literally wouldn't open my statements. I'd just mm-hmm. say, it's only the company's money I'm losing. It's only the company's yeah, money I'm right, losing. Right, so, yeah. you know, all those stresses that probably don't happen. And I'm just going to throw this word out there in terms of recession proof. Mm -hmm. For the most part, are these recession proof or?
1: Well, so I started, I think I've made my first ATM investment in 2016 or 2018. Anyway, years before COVID came. And and the way that works is, you know, I put in a certain amount of money and I just get a monthly. So as a group, we buy all these ATM machines and the operator knows that, look, if I run these things right, you know, if I had. Seven ATM machines, each one of them would produce a different amount of money because it would be located at a different place and each one of them would have different transactions the way we as the owners we get a percentage of those, you know, three or $4 fees every time you take money out of your ATM. Mm-hmm. What they've done is they've done the, the big math and they said, okay, if we run these right, we're going to average this all out and we can give everybody $2,000 a month uh, for, a, it's, for it's exactly it's exactly for $100,000 investments, it's $2,155 a month. And so ever since, uh, so since I started doing this, you know, years prior to and through COVID, $2,155 a month, no change all the way through. So, and, you know, the, um, so kind of like real estate, ATMs are all about location. It's about in the place where you have the, the right traffic of the type of people that use a lot of ATM, that use ATMs a lot. So guess what you can do with an ATM if it's not performing? You pick it up and you move it to another place, right? Uh, same thing, you know, with a rental property. Hey, this thing isn't, it's, it's, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. I could raise the rents, I could lower the rents, I could improve the property, change my marketing, offer incentives, you know. Uh, when you put your mind in the stock market, you have no control whatsoever. All the control is in, you know, you know, in the executive team. And it's the same thing when you do, when you do it with a, uh, when you do a, like a syndication, you know, you're putting all your, so you don't have any control there, but uh, you know, at least you know the people that that have the control.
0: Okay. Big subject. This is interesting. Let's talk about you again. The current you Uh, you've created a conventional wisdom quiz. Yeah. What's what's that about?
1: Yeah. So if you go to the website, it's the prolific net. It's just a little test where you can, uh, have, there's ten questions and uh, they're kind of trick questions because most people think they know what the answer is uh, and they would be wrong because they're 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 kind of stuck in the conventional wisdom. So if you take the quiz and submit it, you'll get an email back and it'll tell you what you know. It you know if you answered it right, great. If you answered it wrong, it'll tell you you didn't and it'll tell you why. I think I give you the explanation either either way. Uh, you know why the answer is the way it is you know, think, you know, and some of the questions are, Hey, it's a, it's a great idea to pay off your home. Uh, another question is, you know, there's nothing certain in life ins- instead of death, death, except death and taxes. And some of these are true, false, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, the best way to plan for your retirement is, you know, through, uh, one of these, these, uh, you know, 401k type plans. And so, um, uh, You know, a lot of people think a lot of people think, oh, yeah, of course, it's good to own your house. Of course, that's the best way to do your retirement. But I'll tell you, I'll tell people why it's not and link them to an article that I've written, which has a lot of that math that you love about about why it's not.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, so now that I've talked to you and I do know a few of the correct answers.
1: (laughs) I know, I'm giving it away.
0: (laughs) Well, no, all I'm thinking is that I'm now going to go to Gmail and open up, you know, mysteryinvestor at gmail.com because I don't want you to know that it's actually me that's taking the test.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no no judgment. I was a conventional investment. (laughs) I would have gotten all of these wrong at one point in my life. So it's it's no big (laughs) deal.
0: Okay. We've mentioned your book. You have a blog, a YouTube channel. Okay. Tell us about the, the book, about the blog. Just blow your yeah, own so, horn here.
1: Yeah. So if you go to the prolific net, everything is there. There's a place where you could buy the book. You can schedule a free 30 minute virtual uh, coffee with me. If you want, we get on a call like this and talk about alternative investments, all the social, all the social media icons are there, but yeah, just go to the, just go to the homepage and, uh, Uh, Click on the coffee cup, I guess, and schedule a free uh, 30-minute call with me and we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about.
0: Okay. Um, And just to clarify, that's prolificinvestor.net.
1: .net, yes. Okay. And of course, the book is Get Off Your $8 Sign, Dollar Sign, and Manage Your (laughs) Money, Why You Need Alternative Investments. There's a link right there. You can't miss it right there on the homepage. It's got a flashing thing on there. So, yeah.
0: Cool. Before we wrap today, Can I ask you a question that's part of a conversation I had with my son just yesterday? Mm -hmm. And again, a reminder to our listeners, I'm putting Chris on the spot for a personal opinion, not a recommendation. Cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. It's taken a bit of a beating lately. Is Mm -hmm. it time to buy or time to bail or time to sit on our hands?
1: So uh, my personal opinion is I'm very bullish on Bitcoin so i think it's going to be around for a long time and i think it's going to be part of the future and so i'm very bullish on that and i buy it every monday and i'll be doubling up on my buying in mondays with with the current price so yeah i think it's uh i think it's going to be around and there's a really good book that you could have your son read called layered money and, um, I don't know the author. I can't remember the author's name, but it's easy to find. And it, he goes through, you know, the history of money from sea cells to, you know, precious metals and, uh, and he uses kind of a layered money theory. So, uh, that's a real, real good and, and, and pretty easy to understand and pretty short book, but yeah, I'm, I'm buying. Yeah, I'm very bullish. So, and, and. People have compared, sorry, part of this to, you know, the dot-com boom, you know, when, when you know, everything was the internet, pets.com, and everything had a dot-com or dot-net, and and those companies did the same thing that Bitcoin is doing right now, and this will all sort itself out. Now, there's a lot of people who are going to lose a lot of money and have lost a lot of money and all these other altcoins, and um, I, I just, yeah, I, I'm just not doing that because that's more like, uh, you know, being in the stock, that, that's really speculating. Um, and it's just not, it's just not what I don't do, but I, I just believe in the, the long-term viability of Bitcoin and it will be, it will come back. And that was for me personally, is a great time to buy, buy stuff on sale, you know?
0: Yeah. And he's involved in that world and he felt the same way. So, you know, <laughs> that's great. Uh, dear. Oh, okay. Anything else before we wrap?
1: Uh, I think I've, said just about everything
0: okay and i've I've picked your brains with all the little mystery questions that i personally want answered i don't know about the listeners but uh listeners some great ideas and information today if you have thoughts on today's show please talk to us if you're listening at twoboomerwomen.com scroll to the bottom of the page and leave comments there We can be found at Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, most places a person would listen to podcasts. Feel free to leave comments there and leave stars and reviews. They help us grow. Before you go, hit the subscribe or follow button and you'll be notified about future interviews with more of my great guests. And share this episode with a few friends who will be around in retirement and you want to share some financial freedom with. Chris has certainly given us some food for thought today.
1: And share it with a a young person, you know, who's got a long runway ahead of them. And we could get them off of this mediocre highway before they even get started or get them off before they spend too much time on it, you know, so.
0: Well, I will actually be pointing my daughter and son-in-law to this because they're looking at that, you know, $1.2 million investment and Mm -hmm. sort of plotting how to get it paid down. But maybe that's Mm -hmm. not their best alternative. So that's that's great good if listeners if you want to be a guest on the podcast or know someone who would be a great guest there's an application form at the website chris odegaard thank you so much for being my guest on two boomer women today and not only explaining alternatives to the conventional um, but also some uh, possible directions to an end goal that was great
1: my pleasure agnes thanks for having me
0: on have a great rest of week